Retirement can be a daunting prospect for many of us. It is a time that reminds us that we are growing older. The monthly salary we have been used to suddenly stops. We have to find another purpose and maybe even reflect on our identity once our career and job titles fall away. How can we navigate the anxiety that comes with retiring from the working lives we have known for many decades? Retirement coach Liz Watt joins me in this episode of The Anxiety Advantage to explore how retirement can be a time for regeneration and vitality. This is the Anxiety Advantage podcast. The theme for this season two is courage. I explore with my guest how anxiety can be a catalyst to make us bolder in living our most fulfilled lives. If we can do something scary, even though we feel anxious, that is surely what courage is all about. So in this season two, we ask, is anxiety calling us to become our most courageous selves? I'm Yang Mei Ui. I'm a writer and podcaster. And perhaps I might also introduce myself as an anxious person. But I wonder... What would it be like to reframe that idea of myself and instead think of myself as a courageous person? I hope you will join me on this exploration and perhaps also see what that feels like for you to think of yourself for a change as someone who is courageous. My guest today is Liz Watt. Liz is an executive, career and retirement coach with over 30 years of business and leadership experience. She was managing director of BLT Recruitment Consultancy before becoming a coach. Liz is a qualified executive coach and a member of the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. Liz Watt, you spent most of your career in the corporate world uh, of recruitment. What changed that led you into a coaching career? Well, I have to say, I really loved my career in recruitment. It was great. It was all about the people, clients, candidates, building careers for people and building teams for my clients. Um, and I loved it. But over the years, recruitment changed and it became a lot more focused on process and procedure. And I, I just didn't enjoy that. And I had a friend who'd done a coaching course and she said, I think you'd really love it. So I looked into it, did it, and I did. I just absolutely loved it. But, you know, I was quite anxious about doing so. I'd been successful as a recruiter and I enjoyed that world. And and so it was a big step for me. So um, I had to sort of really think that through and really think about the plan and what that would look like. Well, so let's stay with that anxiety, because I think for many people, whether they're thinking about retiring or changing career, this anxiety of doing something new, you've mm. been successful, as you said, in one career, you're going to try something new. You might completely make a mess of it. And then you might feel, well, I've burned my bridges. I can't go back. Mm. What am I going to do now? Can we just stay with that feeling of anxiety and describe what you felt uh, for our listeners? I felt that I was taking a step into the unknown. It felt like, you know, stepping off the, the edge of a a cliff really. You know, I knew that I would, by moving away from my recruitment career, I'd miss the sort of structure of my working life. Um, 
my colleagues who I got on really well with and I really enjoyed working with and my clients. And so it was really difficult to envisage what this new world might look like. And I, I felt it's going to be a big change. But I also felt as I looked more into a coaching career, I felt that sort of tingle of excitement, which I hadn't had for quite a while. So it was balancing those two things up for me, really, the anxiety with the prospects for what would come next. But it took a lot of thought, a lot of talking, a lot of exploring and, you know, really going into the detail of what it might look like. You know, now from the perspective of having a successful coaching career and business, you can look back and say, well, that was the right choice. I love doing what I do. So we started by focusing on the anxiety of the change, of leaping in off the cliff into an abyss. And so what about the bit in the middle? Can you take us through the process of what it was like for you to, because we only know by doing it, but that you haven't done it yet. So how do you give yourself the courage to make that change? I had to really think about what it would mean to me um, losing the structure of a, a working life um, and stepping into something that, as you say, I, I didn't know that whether it would be successful or not whether I would enjoy it or not. So yes, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's great to be able to look back and think, oh yeah, it was fine. But actually, it took a lot of exploring, talking. So I spoke to other coaches. I did a lot of that, um, what their experience had been, how they had uh, navigated the change. I did a lot of research about the type of coaching that I might want to do. And I've I have to say, I made some bad decisions at the start and, you know, started down paths that I thought, really, this isn't for me. I don't enjoy this so much. As you know, I'm doing retirement coaching and I do some career coaching as well because that focused on my past life. I realized I couldn't do everything. My, my thought when I first started was, well, I can, I can coach everybody. I can do whatever I want. But actually in real life, you can't and you can't be all things to all men. So I had to really focus down on what it was that I enjoyed where I found my satisfaction, because then I could give the best to my clients. But I had to really work hard at that. Um, the other thing I realized is that if I was going to do this, I wanted to work with people that I wanted to work with. So I had to be quite selective about the work I took on. And actually by taking a bit of a step back and thinking, well, what is it that I want to do where I can give my best to people? And that's settled my nerves, if you like. So, um, what I'm hearing you say is that it's, you, you, you have the nerves and the anxiety, but you research. Um, but what I, for for me, I think I I have a similar approach. I'm anxious about something because it's unknown. But actually what helps making the unknown known is R&D, research and development. And I say to myself, I don't need to make any decisions. I'm just researching. So for you, it was talking to coaches, exploring and then, um, actually, what you've said about exploring and trying some things and then realizing that maybe some of these things didn't work and then having the courage and the integrity, the authenticity to say, well, actually that didn't work. I'm going to try something else or or vary what I'm doing to see how that works rather than, because we have this idea, we have a plan, so we must stick to the plan. And of course, it's in the living of the plan that you you have to adapt to circumstances. Exactly right. For me, it was about doing that research, feeling comfortable with what I was doing, 
and knowing that I could actually change. You know, there, there was, like you say, the, you don't have to stick to that path if it's not right for you or for your clients. And so it took, but it took me a while to realize that, you know, that it took me a while to realize actually it wasn't set in stone. This was something new and I could flex it according to what, what worked for me and what worked for my clients. So yeah, it takes a bit of time to get to that point and, and have the confidence, I guess, to do it. So this episode is about retirement and we've mm. talked a little bit about career change because I think it's, it's rather similar because these are big decisions we have to make about our career and the next uh, years and the next decades of our lives. So retirement is a major change in our lives, uh, especially financially. We're used to having a monthly salary and suddenly when we retire, that stops and uh, people worry, you know, will they have enough money coming in? So even though some people may long to retire, they keep on working. So how can we use that anxiety to help us make a change rather than being paralyzed by the worry? Oh, this is such a big issue and I completely understand this. This So the very first thing I do when I take on a new retirement coaching client is, is I urge them to seek out some good financial advice. Um, I'm not a financial planner or advisor myself, um, but I think it's it's one of the things that's the most fundamental thing when you're thinking about making the switch from a regular income and all the benefits that come with a corporate career to thinking about whether you can actually approach retirement or a phased retirement, whichever way you want to look at it. The thing that I see a lot is this ostrich mentality where people stick their head in the sand and think, oh, I can't think about it and I don't know what to say and I don't know what to think about. So you've got to think about the financial side of things. And once you get that under your belt and face up to that reality, I think it just helps to settle that anxiety a little bit. You need to know what what's available to you, whether you're going to need to top up your pension pot and whether you need to then do other things to fill the gap. I think that's a very, very good point because a number of people I've spoken to just in general conversation have said, oh my God, I'd love to retire, but I'm too scared to look yeah. at my pension statement. I'm too scared to yeah. look at my finances because what if I don't have enough? A lot of people I talk to, a lot of my clients don't go from finishing work with a hard stop and then starting retirement they actually do it in a phased way quite often. So quite often people can look at the work that they do and think, well, maybe I can do some consultancy work to top up that pension pot for the time being, or maybe I take on a part-time job in something completely different to just give you that ease of um, the financial security that you need. But the ostrich mentality of not knowing and having that fear and thinking, well, I can't ever retire is paralyzing. I think uh, my friend won't mind me sharing this story with you. Um, she was thinking of retiring and she was one of the people who said, oh my God, I, I, I may not have enough to retire. So she f did speak to her financial advisor and he said, well, actually, yes, you can. And so then she didn't really believe him because it seemed to be too good to be true. And then eventually she spoke to her employers and said, I want to uh, retire and move away. They said, well, actually, you know, do you want to do consultancy? So they offered that to her. Mm. And she was chatting to another friend who had a, was in the similar field. And this friend uh, ran her own business and said, oh, wow, you know, I could really use you in my business. So she's potentially got two consulting jobs. Mm. She has retired. 
She's moved to a beautiful part of the country and she's, she can pick and choose. The, uh, her original employers have started giving her some work and she's going, well, actually, do I really want to work, you know, so hard still? Mm. So she's going to negotiate a little bit less. And then if the other, the other consultancy comes in, she can pick and choose and she's in such a fantastic, empowered yeah. position. I think that's such a good example of, of this situation. And in fact, I had a client with a very similar story. Um, who hits her mid fifties and, and suddenly felt her face didn't fit in a, in the corporate world that she was in and was paralyzed by fear about what the future might hold. And it was talking through the options. We talked through what she might be able to do. And suddenly a consultancy role came on the horizon from some people that she knew vaguely and having the confidence to think about, well, okay, maybe I could do this enabled her to move into a consultancy role where exactly the, the same as your friend, suddenly she has the option of what she does and she's doing that phased move into retirement and her life is completely different and suddenly so much happier, so much more content with what she's doing. So there are options out there, but it takes a bit of courage sometimes to put your heads above the parapet and think about what you can offer, um, what your transferable skills might be because people don't actually sometimes realise that. You know, they've got some really valuable transferable skills that they can use in another direction. It just takes a bit of courage to think about it and to put yourself out there. So you mentioned your your client whose face didn't fit anymore mm. uh, in the company where she worked. And I think that that can be a common thread uh, in people's careers. They start off in their 20s, you know, uh, very gung-ho, they do mm. really well, and then Life, society, business evolves over the decades. And then we find that we're in our fifties and the company has changed. New <laughs> young bucks have come in and there is a higher p a possibility that people in their fifties and onwards may be made redundant or may mm. feel that they are no longer relevant in, in a company. Absolutely. I see it so much. And I feel, I actually feel great sympathy for people who find themselves in this situation, you know, for no fault of their own. They've had a great successful corporate career in whatever it is. And suddenly for no reason, suddenly they're not the thing of the moment. And, and that can be really tough for people. So I, I always hope that people will think about and plan their retirement and, and how they're going to navigate that. But often it, it, it blindsides people because they don't know that this change is going to suddenly be on their doorstep. No fault of their own, no criticism of them. It's just that some, for some reason, they are not part of the, the future of their business. And that can be really difficult for people um, because they don't have the luxury of time to plan if the situation is there in front of them. And, and that's tough. So at what stage do you feel that uh, people need to start planning for retirement? Should mm. they start thinking, oh, I'm you know, 49 and I, uh, I could have this risk in, in a few years time when I turn 50 or should they start planning in, in their twenties? Um, and I have shared my story and my relationship with retirement in an episode in season one. Mm. And I had planned really to retire as early as possible. <laughs> so in my twenties, I started paying into my pension and throughout my life, I was quite frugal. I had a, I had an enjoyable life, but I didn't overspend. So that meant that by the time I reached 53, 
my financial advisor said that I could actually retire from corporate life. And I just jumped at that. <laughs> Not everybody, you know, has that sort of feeling. But overall, in terms of the clients that you see and generally, what are your thoughts about planning for the future uh, and in particular for retirement? I think it's fantastic if you can um, make financial provisions from an early age. And I think that's encouraged far more now than it ever was when I was younger. Certainly, I didn't even think about it. But um, if you're, I, I think what's really helpful is to start thinking about retirement a couple of years before you think you want to do it, at least. Not everyone has that luxury, as I, as I mentioned earlier, but if you can, um, in my experience, people in their 40s tend to still be very much still on the career, climbing the career ladder and thinking about the future. And the, it, it, this is just in my experience. The switch I see tends to be when people hit their 50s and suddenly think, oh, actually, do I really want this corporate career anymore? Do I want to be climbing the greasy career pole? Have I got the energy for it? You know, is my appetite the same? And that's when I see the change happening. It could be quite gradual. But I think if you can give yourself a couple of years at least to start thinking and planning, that leads, in my experience, to a much happier transition. I think that it takes quite a lot of gut to start thinking about it because, you know, not just from a financial perspective, but from thinking about leaving all that you know and leaving that corporate career and leaving your friends and your acquaintances that can be very challenging for people. But if you can start thinking in advance, in my experience, it just leads to a much, much smoother transition. And so with working with your clients, are you able to share um, perhaps a variety of situations or stories that you've helped mm -hmm. your clients with so that people can get a sense of some of the things that they might need to think about and how perhaps if they feel anxious, um, having someone walking alongside them a coach like yourself or mm -hmm. some other coach or some other support, it might be very helpful for them. So I've worked with, for example, a, a partner in a, a firm of accountants who wanted to leave well. Um, that was very much his feeling that he wanted to leave well. So he really wanted to focus on what he would do in his two years leading up to his retirement date, which was set by his firm, as, as a lot of businesses these do, days do set a, a retirement age for senior executives. Um, so he wanted to make sure that he was putting everything in good order so that he could make a successful transition, a good handover, and to really ensure that the business was left in good stead, but also that he, his legacy was protected, you know, all the work he'd done over the years. So he wanted to, to work on how he could do that because he didn't have the wherewithal in, in the sense of his organizational skills to do it. So we, we talked about that a lot and then how he could then segue into what he wanted to do afterwards. Another um, client I dealt with was um, very senior in his organization and doing a big global role, but had absolutely no confidence in what he might do next. He was really scared about um, feeling his days would be totally empty. And what was he going to do? You know, it was just like looking into the void and, you know, very resourceful individual and very, um, you know, sociable and had lots of friends and connections. But he just could not envisage 
what his life might look like. So what I did there was um, I encouraged him to, while he was still in the security of a, a job, to start looking at what was available to him locally. So we looked at and how he might use his business skills in a in a, a um, to help local charities and and local um, businesses, which he did, and and he was able to start seeing that actually there was a vibrant community in his local area that he didn't even know existed, um, you know, because people don't sometimes if they're travelling up to London or they're travelling around the world, they don't realise what's on their doorstep. So he found um, there was organisations where he could go and use his business skills, uh, he could help mentor young business people. Um, and so suddenly there were all sorts of things that were opening out to him. And so he put all this in place well in advance of his leaving so that he could then use those business skills in a constructive way outside of his, his corporate world. So that was a really positive experience for him. And, and he's, he's loving what he does, does some non-exec roles. And, you know, it, it, it sort of worked out really well. Plus being able to do other things that were, you know, of in, just follow his interests. Um, someone else that I work with, uh, was new to this country and, and wanted to explore the options that were open to them. So we were able to put in place all sorts of different plans in that regard as well. Those are some quite inspiring stories. And I think this point about the global leader who actually had no idea what was available mm. locally is quite an interesting one because, you know, our work and careers uh, define who we are for decades. I, I was a lawyer and I was known as a lawyer when I went to parties. I'm a lawyer. It's all very, you know, oh, wow. Or, or I'm a writer. Um, and a big anxiety about retirement is that we lose our identity. And particularly, you know, for many people, we feel we're no longer relevant. We're just, oh, he's retired or she's an OAP. And so how can we think more positively about this major life change? I think you've touched on it a little bit. But mm. Perhaps we, we might explore that a, a bit more. I think there's been such a lot of, historically, such a lot of negative press around what retirement means. It's, you know, that sort of cosy pipe and slippers and putting your feet up by the fire. And if that's what you want, that's fantastic. You know, no, no shame in that at all. Um, but for a lot of people, they, they don't want to necessarily go from a working world into a world where they, they don't have an identity. Um, and so I think it's really important to be able to think in advance about what you're going to do and, and what issues you might be able to cover or change or work on to give yourself some sense of purpose. I, I, I work a lot with that with people, finding your purpose. And then what, what will that purpose be? And then how can you put that into place? You know, how can you find the interests or follow the interests that you really want to follow? Um, I think one of the things when people are working is that they don't spend an awful lot of time on themselves. You know, quite often they, they might have a burning ambition from their youth to do something exciting with um, travel or sport or whatever it happens to be, but they don't necessarily pursue it. And and when it comes to running up to retirement, quite often people think, well, I've never done these things. What do I do? How do I actually put them into place? Um, so working on that in advance, I think, can be really helpful. And, and giving yourself 
the time and the space to think, well, what is it I like to do? What, what could I do that inspires me or gives me that sense of identity? So as you say, if you're, you know, going to a party or you're going to meet new people that actually you've got something to say that you feel that you're not just, you know, a retiree with no identity, <laughs> which is so negative. And, it, it, you know, the people I see have really, really, em- when they embrace retirement, they've got so much to say and they've got so much they can do, which is fabulous. Yes, I think it's it's interesting because from my experience, I'd go mm. to a party or meet new people. And I moved from London to Oxford for um, various reasons. Um, and coming to a new city, I was able to do that because actually I'd stopped working. So mm. I could explore a new life in a new and very beautiful city. And I would try saying, oh, I'm retired. And I would feel, oh, my God. I feel so old, but because I was able to retire <laughs> early, some people were like, Oh my God, you're too young to have retired. So I thought, Oh, well, that, that's quite nice. And then, of course, I've always had a parallel career. I was a lawyer and also a writer. So I was able to then actually inhabit my creative, um, sort of uh, hat. No, that's a mixed metaphor. I could <laughs> put on my creative hat, um, more often and say I'm a writer and podcaster. And so that has been fun and energizing. And, and I know some people have said, you know, I'm, I've actually started an MA in creative writing or I'm doing photography or whatever it is. It's a chance, isn't it, for some people to follow their passion or to do some consultancy as we talked a bit earlier. Absolutely. I think this is the time in your life when you can actually pursue things that maybe you just haven't had the time or the finances or whatever to explore before. So, you know, studying is a is a big thing. I've seen people who've gone off to do either short courses or maybe slightly longer um, things, yeah, taking up new sport. There's a myriad of opportunity and things that you can do. And I think cr- exploring areas that you've, you know, like you, you talked about your creativity, you know, sometimes if you're in a corporate job, you don't get the chance to be creative. Um, or you might have a passion for, you know, the outdoors and people take on allotments and they do all sorts of really interesting things that give them a new lease of life. And w- what I see works really well for people is if they say, okay, I might work one, one or two days a week to start with, but I also want to build into my new life, maybe a new hobby. Um, and I want to do something creative or I want to do some studying. So maybe having almost like a little portfolio of two or three different things that you plug into your life so that you've got some framework, some structure, and then you've got the time to do other things as and when they happen. And that can feel a bit self-indulgent to start with. You know, you don't normally think like that, but this is your time to think about what works for you. You know, what, what's going to excite you? What's going to make you still want to get up in the morning? I love that. And and I, it just brings to mind another friend whose mum is, I think, in her 80s now. Mm. When she retired, she started going off to South America uh, to help build um, houses for these communities. Mm. The last I heard, you know, she was 79, 80, and she was still going off to Nicaragua for months at a time uh, to work in these communities. And I think, wow, yes, that's so go for it. That's absolutely fabulous. And I love hearing things like that. That's so energizing and exciting. I mean, not everyone will want to do that, but if that's your thing, why not? Um, lots of people travel a lot. You know, that's the other thing. When we were talking about finances earlier, if you think you want to travel, if that's going to be your big thing when you retire, then 
that's something you need to think about in terms of your financial planning. You can't have a sort of champagne lifestyle on a modest pension board. You've got to think, well, okay, do I need to plug the gap there with that sort of thing? I think I also want to say for, for the stay-at-home introvert types, which I am, it's not a competition. There's no you know, kind of feeling that, oh, somehow you're having a bad retirement if you're not doing some of these adventurous types of mm. things. Perhaps you could explore that a bit more. I, I totally agree. This is about you as an individual and what makes you tick. And and so if your thing is to be at home, that's Absolutely fine. You know, there's no criticism about anything. It's about making choices that work for you to energize you in whatever way that is. So yeah, enjoy yes, that. Life. Yes. I was working in my corporate job. One of the things I loved is I loved my house and my garden. Mm. And so for the first few years, I really, really enjoyed my house in London, uh, in Dulwich uh, and loved poodling around in the garden. And now here in Oxford, I love my new house. It's it's a little house with a little courtyard garden. And actually, the one thing I didn't like was mowing. So my new house <laughs> has no lawn. So I, I love um, using the courtyard garden as, as an entertainment space. You know, my friends come and we have lunch and we have tea. And it's just being able to enjoy the home and being at home, which I wasn't able to. So that there is pleasure in that as well. I think when you're working, quite often you don't spend an awful lot of time at home and, uh, you know, people sort of miss out on that. So just being able to be in your own space and just enjoy your space. Fantastic. Uh, and actually, that's something else that sometimes people think about is, is actually where they want to live. You've moved out of London and I did, I've done this exactly the same. I've moved to the coast, which I love, um, but I wouldn't have done that necessarily when I was in my corporate career. So maybe that gives people the chance to think about, well, where do they want to actually be? So do they want to be somewhere else? And will that give them pleasure and enjoyment? That's just a simple thing, but it it can be quite a major part of someone's new phase of life. So one anxiety about retiring uh, is loneliness and losing the structure we've been used to during our working life. And in particular, actually, now we've touched on it, you know, moving to a new place. Mm. Will I be lonely? How do I make new friends? And that kind of leads me on to thinking about, and this was something that sort of started to emerge for me is, well, I'm, uh, this year I'm, I'm turning 60. So, you know, we're forced by the very phrase retirement to think about old age and mortality and particularly as we approach 60 and then 70 and beyond. How is that anxiety useful, do you think? It's, that's, it's a tough one, actually, isn't it? Leaving a job and your friends and your colleagues can be quite discombobulating for people. I think they can feel quite nervous about that. And, you know, if you don't necessarily know a lot of people locally, that can be quite challenging. And, and, you know, so finding your tribe locally can be quite a big thing and it takes time and it takes practice and going out there and maybe, you know, putting yourself into slightly unusual situations to meet new people. But you're right that that can also start you thinking about, well, you know, the what next. And I do think that's why a lot of people don't like to think about retirement because by its very nature, you're then thinking about your mortality as well and what that might bring. You know, that's sort of almost the next phase. And I think that's where people get quite anxious about that. I think there again, you can put some practical things into place to to help you with that without being um, 
morbid, you know, putting things in place like your wills and your, you know, LPAs and all those sorts of practical things can help you sort of think, well, okay, I'm taking control of that side of my life. You know, for a lot of people, thinking about their mortality is incredibly difficult. And there's no magic wand about that. There's no, no one size fits all in approach, but maybe it starts people thinking about, you know, how they manage those thoughts and whether that's a, you know, spiritual thing or a religious thing or whatever and how you deal with that and what coping strategies you put in place to deal with the thought of your mortality as a society. We don't tend to think about it. We don't tend to talk about it. Um, but I think it's part of that whole planning process to, to think about that in some constructive way. So just for our listeners who may not know, LPA is lasting power Sorry. of attorney. So as a, a, a retired lawyer, um, I am uh, very hot on the idea of a will and having yeah. a lasting power of attorney to plan ahead. Because although what we might be afraid to think about it, what the positive way to think, to, to reframe it is actually, mm. if you have a will, the people that you love will know what to do when the time comes. And it's not an if, it's a when. Yes. And so there's a will and that the lawyers will be able to advise as to how you, you write that. And then for your, um, the loved ones you've left behind, they know very clearly what your wishes are. The last will and testament, it's about your testament. It's your witness of the legacy that you want to leave. Mm-hmm. And with the lasting power of attorney, it means that you're giving over to people that you love and trust um, the ability to deal with your affairs in the event that you're incapacitated. And isn't that a wonderful thing to think that if something happens to you, this particular person, your loved one, will have the authority to talk to the doctors, to talk to your lawyer, to talk to your bank, to deal with your electricity or whatever it is in your life. And I made a will when, as soon as I was out of law college, because I, I like, I like to be organized. <laughs> and that's part of my anxiety. And, uh, organization helps with yes. my anxiety. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and I revisit it every, uh, every seven years and I update it. And I feel, so it becomes natural. It's not a, boogeyman, horrible thing. It's just, this is part of my life admin and I just do it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my one thought about it. And I think the other thought is the reason I retired early as soon as I could was that I'm still capable of, you know, going for a run. I'm still capable of walking, going about, doing things that I enjoy. I started kayaking last year, oh, terrifying. Really? And I've talked about it before, but you know, I'm still able to do that. And one of the things about thinking about mortality is, well, if I'm going to live until I hope 80 uh, or more, I've got 30 plus years uh, from mm-hmm. about 50. So I've ticked off seven of those years um, and still going strong, hopefully. But it means that I've got this time to do the things that I love, what we talked about, the passion, the creativity and so on. And Absolutely. I hope that just by sharing this, it might encourage uh, some of our listeners to think positively about this big transition. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. I think having um, these things in place, it means, it, it, you know, if you face fate or face fear and get them done and then they're done and you can forget about them and it just gives you that reassurance and your loved ones that reassurance and security that there isn't anything lurking and, and then you can enjoy your life and enjoy the things that you really, really want to do. And in, it, 
Continuing the thought about, you know, getting old, I'm eligible for free travel and senior citizen things later this year, um, you know, to get into the museums and so on. And it does feel a bit weird thinking of myself as a senior citizen. So, but I was listening to the audiobook of one of Oprah Winfrey's books. I have to say, I never thought of myself as an Oprah fan. But anyway, she said something about turning 60, which I've always remembered. And it's like, well, thank Thank the Lord that I'm turning 60. How lucky am I mm. to have this chance to live a, a full, long life to reach 60? And some people don't have the chance to do that. Um, and certainly in the past, it was more likely that we would die younger. And mm. so to reach the grand old age of 60, count my blessings. So I, and I'm trying to do that and not worry too much about the label. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's exactly it. There, there are a lot of negative and not very helpful labels out there about, you know, age and women and age and, and so on and so forth. But if you look around you, there are some fantastic people doing great things and age doesn't need to define you. Liz what? it's been such fun talking to you. So do you have any last words for our listeners about how to think about their own retirement? Well, what I would say is just embrace this new phase of life. I know it can be daunting. I know there's anxiety around facing this new phase in your life, but you, you don't have any experience of it. But as far as possible, think about it, plan for it, and then, you know, expect some unexpected challenges. That, that's just life. That's how, how things roll. But it can be a really golden period. So, so go for it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. My guest today was Liz Watt. You can find links to some of the things we talked about on the show notes page, where there are also photos and credits. Go to my website, tigerspirit.co.uk, and click through to The Anxiety Advantage. Season two of The Anxiety Advantage is all about anxiety and courage. If you haven't already done so, you might like to take a listen to some of the other episodes. There's Lula Bentz on anxiety, PTSD and the courage to thrive. And coming up in episode eight in two weeks time, Anna Ledjard talking about the biggest anxiety of all, anxiety and courage in the face of death. And you can also listen to discussions with a wide range of guests about how to transform anxiety into a friend and ally in the eight episodes of season one also currently available, plus a bonus ninth episode. These podcasts share my personal experience and perspective, and I do not claim to speak for everyone who may be living with anxiety. I'm not an expert and have no medical or counselling qualifications. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only. Views expressed by my guests are entirely their own and do not represent my views. If you are affected by anything in these podcasts, please seek the advice of your doctor or other qualified professional. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's free. New episodes will then pop into your pod listening app as soon as they are published. Also, if you have particularly enjoyed this episode, I hope you will leave me a lovely review on your podcast app or simply give the podcast a positive star rating. That will tell the algorithm elves that this is a podcast worth listening to, and hopefully that will help other anxious 
or courageous people find the anxiety advantage. I'm Yang Mei Ui. The website link again is tigerspirit.co.uk and then please click through to The Anxiety Advantage. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram where I am at tigerspirituk. Or you can simply Google the podcast The Anxiety Advantage and my name, Yang Mei Ui. Thank you for listening and see you again soon.